Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, don't look behind you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak huge fees in at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I'm going up to Dallas next month, meaning July, to try to check out some Rangers games. And you'd better believe I'm going to use SeatGeek. I used it for my trip in Detroit I told you guys about. Um, I've been recommending it to people left and right all across the country, to be honest. A couple friends in different spots been recommending it. My buddy is in New York, and he's going up to visit his family a little bit for the summer. And he and his dad are already mapping out where they, what they're going to go see uh, in terms of Mets games with SeatGeek. Honestly, it's the only place I use now. I used to use other places, I'll freely admit. The one that frequently gets mentioned here, StubHub. Stopped using it. It's not It's not necessary at this point because uh, SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Now, I remember when MLB.com first got this for their stadiums, and it was awesome. But I would, you know, be on the StubHub app or something, and then I'd have I buy the ticket or look at a section, then I go to the MLB site and have to kind of, you know, use their stadium view. Now it's all it's all in one with SeatGeek, and the grading is just color coding. So if you know a stoplight, green means go, red means halt. So if you see a red one in the section you want, maybe relax and try to find a green one because those are going to be the better price tickets uh, for their value. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you at the end with huge fees. Now, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to Settings, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. of the sleeper and the bus it is wednesday july 20th i'm your host paul spore joined by eno saris eno back out on the court how did it go very poorly oh very, very well, poorly you know at least yes. you got to play at least you got to play rust rust is real i like that hashtag rust is real <laughs> that will apply because we're you know sometimes sometimes we got a little bit of a preamble sometimes we dive right in today is one of the dive right in days and rust is real should probably be how we hashtag uh, Felix Hernandez's return to to the diamond because he was activated off the DL and he's still pitching, I guess. So um, more damage could happen because it, <laughs> it can't really get better, right? Because uh, he's already gone five innings, eight hits, five runs. Even if he somehow finished the game, because he is only on 68 pitches, he could go another couple innings. It's really tough to ever make a five-run outing good. Right. Plus, he already ha- he only has one strikeout, so it's not like he's piled up a bunch of strikeouts. You know, sometimes we see guys like I can recall some Max Scherzer starts where he goes, uh, you know, seven innings, five runs, ten Ks, and you're like, well, the ERA sucks, but I'll take those ten Ks. It's not going to be good for Hernandez, pretty much, no matter what he does. But he is back uh, off the injury. Felix Hernandez did have a good ERA coming into this, but I think we all knew that the skills suggested that, you know, the 331 that he now has, I think he came in with a 272 for the day. Um, I think that this 331, if anything, matches a little bit more the skills that we'd seen from him early in the year. What do you expect out of Felix Hernandez the rest of the way? He's undoubtedly been a disappointment even when he had the good ERA because the strikeouts were down. He just looked wobbly. A 122 whip is his highest since 2011. Uh, where do you currently stand with, with with Felix Hernandez outside of the fact that you have him ranked 25th, which we're going to talk about your pitcher ranks later? What do you think we're going to get out of him? Yeah, that's probably an aggressive ranking. I was hoping he'd come back 
you know, maybe with a little more velocity because last year he was at 91.8. And uh, he's today he's at 90 again. So uh, that just makes it hard on his changeup because his changeup is now more like a sinker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, at 87, it's it's right there. And it's some sort of super sinker thing. It's hard to even call it a changeup anymore. But, um, yeah, I don't uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like he's one of these guys that has guts and guile, you know. It's like, Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, to put something more significant on it, maybe a real good ground ball rate, you know. So... You know, he could and plays in a great park, so he could play more to like a 290, 285 type Babbitt and, uh, and you know, improve his command and then, you know, be just a little bit better than his strikeout rate. So I still think he can be like a 3-4 guy. I, you know, now seeing him today, I wish I could have that ranking back and uh, probably put him behind guys like Tehran. But he's right ahead of a, a teardrop for me. Um, you know, teardrop. That's interesting. I, I, but uh, I was gonna make a joke, but but I, I we I messed it up. I, I didn't I didn't jump quick enough. So let's move on. <laughs> right, thinking basketball here. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, like guys like uh, okay, so Tehran, I'd put him behind him, but Mida, you know, Cole Archer, Nola, all those guys have lots of question marks. And then you get into like guys who just don't have the same talent. When you're talking about Eikhoff mm-hmm. and Lackey. Uh, Pomerantz, Shoemaker. So there's a real drop there right around. I think Kyle Hendricks is one of the last, you know, maybe Tehran above Hernandez. And then there's, you know, when it gets to 28 to 30, it's just a big drop off. So speaking of ranks that you, you might change, not that not that your 24 rank of Kyle Hendricks is bad. You might boost him up a couple ranks after seeing what he did today. Six and a third shutout, seven hits, seven punches and, and one walk. He just continues to impress, and this was a train that you were on early. We didn't plan to talk about him, but give us a few words on, on Kyle Hendricks. And uh, that top 25 ranking surprised me, but then I look at what he's done, and I'm like, yeah, it really starts to add up. Yeah, I, obviously you like him. How good can can he stay here? He's now got a 227 ERA on the season. Can Kyle Hendricks end the season with, uh, with an under 250 ERA? Definitely under 275. I mean, I don't think he's going to be more of a three guy, more than a three guy going forward. So, um, yeah, I think he could do 250. I I had him coming into the season as like a, as a top when I had top 50. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that was that was uh, I was actually behind the Rotographs rankings because I was worried that the called strikes wouldn't come back. But as soon as I saw the called strikes were there, I jumped up uh, to 60 and 30. So. Uh, this last jump wasn't even that much of a jump. It was just uh, just ahead of that group of guys who've been unexciting. So uh, I love Kyle Hendricks, man. I, I really good. It's uh, it, it's really hard when you watch him because you're just like, what? This he doesn't have any stuff, but but it works. Uh, it keeps working, and and I I get the feeling that you're talking about. If you just picked an isolated start, even a good one, you'd be like, how does he continue to have so much success? But I think the more you watch Kyle Hendricks, you realize what he's doing and uh, how surgical he can be at times to where he's actually in command of everything. I don't, I don't think he's a Vance Worley. I mean, Vance Worley was the king of called strikes. Mm-hmm. I think that Hendricks changes better than any uh, any pitch that Vance Worley had. And I think he's already done more than Vance Worley ever did. Didn't Vance Worley have like one good season? Right, and now we're talking about 365 innings from Kyle Hendricks with a 318 ERA. So it's uh, it's getting the, to be the point where you can't ignore it anymore. I agree. I agree. A um, few bits of news, then we're going to dive more into your into your rankings. Those are up. If folks want to check them out, your SP rankings are up. Um, I'm sure 50 different trades will happen to, to jumble them all up for you, which should be fun. But uh, they give us something to chew on. A lot of guys I want to talk about there. But a couple things. Something that we like to do, I'd say, every three or four episodes is uh, some closers are messing up or injuries are happening. Things are happening to give us a chance to dive in on a couple bullpens. And we've got that today, specifically with Koji Uehara suffering a pec strain. Now, you know, I hope you're sitting down because I just just dropped the bomb on you that Koji Uehara got hurt. And I understand how Uh rare that is. Yeah, I just I don't know how you're going to react. I don't know how everybody listening is going to react. It's just such a rare event that I'm kind of stunned by it. I'm, I was almost speechless when I saw that it happened. Um, but he is hurt. 
And I get, I, I'm making fun of a guy getting hurt. And that's kind of crappy of me. But Koji Uohara. But he's like 85 years old. I was going to say, he's also old. It's not really unexpected. <laughs> um, health is just not something that you can ever expect from him. He's great when he pitches, but health is not uh, is not there. And he's, and he's been a little bit wobbly this year. This is a guy who's had home run issues in the past. So the home run surge across the league was never going to suit him well. And, and right. like clockwork, he's at 2.0 per nine. So he was never really fit out to be a closer again this year. He was thrust into that role because of Craig Kimbrell's injury. Now he gets an injury. He's already jumped on the DL. Looks like Brad Ziegler's closing again, huh? Yeah, Brad Ziegler. And I think he'll probably keep it all the way to Craig Kimbrell. Matt Barnes is not really a good uh, selection there. And uh, you've also got uh, Tazawa. Tazawa returning, right? I think he's about to come back off the DL, if I if if I recall correctly. But again, nobody there that that can take it. Like Ziegler had the job in Arizona, was brought over obviously for depth. Now they desperately need him, and I don't see how he would lose the job outside of like three or four blown saves in a row right out of the gate here. And then I think they might go to somebody like Heath Hembry. Anyway. Yeah, I mean Tazawa is a shoulder that's not good. Although he's throwing a simulated game, the, the other thing is that even though Tazawa's had closer like you know strikeout minus walk totals, they've never really wanted to go to him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been there a long time and he has four saves in five years. Yeah, he so. never really gets a shot, even when things. Because like I mentioned, Yuihara gets hurt almost every year, and that they've had those two together for several years, and you never really see Tazawa getting a shot. But so I just believe in Ziegler, man. You know those guys. The AL East hasn't seen that in a long time. Oh yeah, and most of those guys have retired. Uh, so I think uh, you know, seeing that submarine slot, he's also the like the only, like pretty much the only submariner that th- has that throws a changeup. So he doesn't even have like uh, the real platoon splits. Um, so I think he's uh, he's going to be fine. Ziegler's going to be fine. It's going to do the same, you know, low strikeout total. Sure. Um, you know, top fifteen closer type guy. Uh, but, um, you know, not, you know, not top 10 or anything. Even if the Red Sox give him a lot of saves, he'll have like one strikeout every two innings or whatever. One other situation I want to dive in. This is from a listener on Twitter suggested that, uh, maybe Will Harris is wobbling a little bit. He did have what probably should be classified as a blown save, but it wasn't because he technically did not blow the save. He didn't give up the lead, but he, he had a, uh, 0.3 inning. So one third of an inning four earned run outing just before the break. He gave up three of those runs, then left the game. Actually got a hold for that, by the way, to give you an idea of how stupid hold the hold <laughs> sometimes. He got a hold. Michael Feliz actually finished off the blown save and took the loss against Oakland in that outing. Uh, that was right before the break, and then a blown save on Tuesday. So a couple wobbly outings in his last three. Not sure I'm necessarily hitting the panic button, but is it, it is a situation where you always want to keep keep your eye on it because Houston – uh, really doesn't want to have a precarious ninth inning. Not that anybody does, but I think that they're really almost looking for reasons to get Ken Giles in there. And uh, of course, that's who the listener brought up as well. Should I bring? Should I, should I get Ken Giles? And I looked. You know, he's got ten straight scoreless appearances. He's got just a 156 ERA and 24 strikeouts in his last 17 and a third innings since June 1st. Do you see Harris? on the wire a little bit and, and, and it's time to get Ken Giles or do you think that, that Harris is going to be given some leeway even after a couple bumpy outings? Well, you know, Harris is uh, really pitches backwards. I mean, he, he's a, an incredible breaking ball guy. You know, he literally stands with his back and throws it over his shoulder, which <laughs> makes his numbers all the more impressive. I'm so, we, we always talk about Pat Venditti and how he throws with both arms. This dude throws behind it's unbelievable. Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. No, the weird thing is if you look at his fastball totals, you're like, oh, 67%. He's a, he's a traditional guy. But if you watch him, like the way he pitches, it's like, you know, breaking ball for strike one, mm-hmm. fastball for strike three. Plus it's like a cutter too. It's really not even yeah. necessarily a, a fastball uh, yeah, per he's se. A, he's, a weird, he's a weird guy. And there's uh, there might be – you know, if you look at Brooks versus, you know, there's like three different ways to classify the way he pitches. And I think he might have cutter, slider, curve. And I really wanted to talk to him, but I didn't get a chance. But I think he might have cutter, slider, curve. I agree. The, the reason that I'm not sure about it is because the slider on Brooks is classified as having the same horizontal movement as his curve, but just drops four inches less. So I don't know if that's possible almost as a pitcher, if you have a pitch where you're just like, 
I can do it like this or exactly like that, and it drops four inches further. And, and so, <laughs> sometimes it's cutter. It looks more sliderish, and it's almost like that, um, like like Syndergaard where he's running it up there at 91, yeah. 92, but with such break that you're like, I, I understand it's probably a cutter by velocity, but it's almost a, a slider by break. So he's an interesting guy for sure, Will Harris is. It could be it could be a bit of a trick, you know what I'm saying? It could be a bit of a trick because I watched the Astro, I watched the Athletics, you know, take their abs against him, and they just left their bats on his shoulders a lot. Mm-hmm. They let they and, let him kind of make the mistakes or, right. or get himself though, into trouble. And even though he doesn't, you know, have a history of long of big walk totals, you know, uh, it might be another it might be another thing if people stop swinging. I mean, his swing his swing averages um, are you know above average. Or at least average. So what what happens if, if people decide that you know he's uh, you know he's just throwing breaking balls for strikes? You know what if they they what if they reverse it up on him? In terms of like closer dumb, you know Giles would be one of the better uh, sleepers if you if you just looked across the league because he has a better strikeout rate and more velocity than the guy in front of him. I would say, you know Giles, uh, Mauricio Cabrera. Um, there aren't a know. whole lot right now to go get. Maybe maybe Nate Jones. If Dave Robertson has not is walking five per nine right now and has just not been that good, and they could maybe sell him in a situation where they help the major league team, so they're not fully selling. This is the White Sox I'm talking about because they are they just a couple Jones games under. Deal, so so they yeah, the deal. They could have a cheap closer. And if they lose four in a row here, like over the weekend or something weekend being, I guess from Thursday through Sunday, uh, if that something like that happened, then all of a sudden they're six under and now they are selling and you do sell like a David Robertson. And that brings Nate Jones into the picture. Cause it's, it's tough right now. There are not a lot of wobbly situations that you want to dive in on. Uh, I think Ryan Dahl is an interesting one that you mentioned because Ryan Madsen could get dealt. So that is definitely one to keep an eye on. What about Mark Melanson? Do you think Pittsburgh's going to sell and then bring Tony uh-huh. Watson into uh, or Neftali? Uh, I, I really don't actually. I've thought about this one for a while. I just think they're too close. Agreed. They want to even if they miss out on the on the playoffs by you know by two or three games. They want to they 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 want to keep getting people to that park. Yeah, you they'll know? they'll fight it till the end, even if it's like yeah. an eighty four win season or something. That's but nobody's coming to Oakland, so. Yeah, they can they can trade Madsen if they want, um, and I do think it's Dull over Axford. I um, totally agree. Dull's been awesome. He's been yeah, very Dull's, exciting. <laughs> he has a really nice slider. I, I think Mo Cabrera in Atlanta. I think Jim Johnson is is not useful. Uh, <laughs> I think he's not useful. <laughs> This is how I ended up calling the, the commissioner a liar. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I, the wrong. I comes don't. What, what was what was it? Um, <laughs> Your answer lacks believability. Yes, that's my <laughs> God. That's my favorite way to call somebody a liar. I really want to use that. People start coming up to me and lying so I can tell you that your answer lacks believability. By the way, on that quick tangent, a couple articles came out. Alan Nathan and uh, Ben Lindbergh over Alan Nathan at his website, I believe. So just Google that. I don't know what his website is. I'm sorry. Um, it actually was on Hardball Times. Okay, so it's Alan Nathan on Hardball Times and then Ben Lindbergh and Rob MacArthur on 538 both looking into the home run situation and coming to the same conclusion that this podcast has been talking about for a while, that uh, that the answer lacks believability because there's something in, going on with the ball, perhaps. And uh, I think Alan Nathan's conclusion was, yeah, it's probably something going on, but it's not necessarily uh, by design or, or some nefarious thing by MLB to, to, to prop up homers. It could just be something that, that changed and, and is leading to this because – Something's going on, right? I mean, there's just no way that it, it's just happenstance that homers have skyrocketed. And it's basically since the uh, second half of last year, to be honest, too. It's not just this year. They really started to jump up second half last year when you're looking at homers across the league. So um, let me make a note. Still some, there's still some part of me that's like, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It seems like a little bit crazy. You know, all these like con- conspiracy theories, they always require so many people to shut to keep their mouths shut. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. That's a good point. And it's like you're going to have you mean that nobody that worked in the factory in wherever or nobody that nobody could visit the factory or nobody that distributed the balls noticed anything. So, you know, the other way that you could say it is, you know, maybe it's a slight change in the ball just due to manufacturing specifications. 
the temperature is a little bit higher. That, that explains like 2% of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is an actual coaching uh, change where people are hitting it in ideal launch angles more. And yeah, it, maybe StatCast is helping people yeah. understand, you know, the co- with, with mixed with that coaching. Um, plus, we just have a, a, a take and rake sort of culture right now in the game, right? Well, yeah, that was the other part. Yeah, that was Trumbo, Trumbo and Ozuna saying, you know, screw having a two-strike uh, approach, you know, so... Uh, you know, I, there's some of that. So I, I think there's, I'm going to try, I don't want to like disprove these guys. I'm always, you know, Rob Arthur and Ben Lindbergh and, and, and Alan Nathan. I love those guys. I'm just going to. That's I not think what you I'm told. Gonna... You texted me that thing about Alan and Ben saying how. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just no. kidding. I'm kidding. We, we uh, will have all no. three of those guys. The uh, I'm going to try one more time to see if I add up the, the tiny little things that do seem true, like how far I can get. So uh, I'm going to need a lot of help on that one. But there's there's something in there, maybe uh, the I'll put, coaching actor. I'll put links to those pieces there for folks that want to take a look. But it is we've talked we've been talking about this a while because it is important when you're looking at Drew Smiley, Michael Pineda, you know these guys that sh- that if you regress them to one homer per nine or to league average homers, Eovaldi uh, was just—I mean, his his progress was killed by that. And the crazy thing about Eovaldi specifically is the one thing that he was good at always was not giving up home runs. Always, even when you know we were saying, why doesn't he have more strikeouts? Why is he walking so many guys? Why do lefties continue to mangle him? The one thing that Nathan Eovaldi did was not give up homers. Coming into this season, he had a career. 0.6 homer per nine in 614 innings this year it's up to 1.6 and yeah. it's brutalized him he's at a 493 era and if you regressed it back down to even even though like 0.8 cut it in half and and bump him up above his career mark you'd be better off uh by, by quite a bit with his era he'd probably be closer to, to like a three nine or something breaking news what we got that breaking news off the wire mike montgomery trade Mike Montgomery to the Cubs and Vogelbach to the Mariners. It was just a matter of time for when Vogelbach was going was going to get traded because I considered him like a free asset for the Cubs. Where yeah, you know, losing him, you know, you know, uh, they would lose him, but not really because they never really counted him as somebody who they were going to ever rely on because he's completely blocked at first base and he's a DH anyway. So it's just a free trade asset for them and they get Mike Montgomery this could be interesting for Seattle too because Vogelbach could come up right away and maybe give them an offensive boost uh 23 year old in AAA right now this year 16 bombs kind of a power spike for him this year up to 548 slug 318 average 425 OBP how good can Vogelbach be immediately if, if he gets called up say in the next couple weeks I just don't know where he plays, man. I mean, it's not like Lind has been terrible. He's the walk-off uh, master. Actually, Lind has been a little worse than I thought. He does have some uh, key, key walk-offs, but... Um, oof, 17% worse than league average. That's surprising. He started I, off well. I think Deho Lee. Is, is Deho Lee a bigger block? And, and I'm looking right now. Okay, there could be the platoon there. Vogelbach is the lefty. Deho Lee is the righty. And they just release Lind, I guess. Or, or like, that's or possible. Move him for whatever. Move him for right. a, a C minus lottery ticket of their own. What do you think about Montgomery going to the Cubs? Is he going to work out of the bullpen for them? Yeah, I think he's going to do bullpen because, uh, you know, he's been he was a, he was really good out of the bullpen in '94. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I, we have seen guys go to the bullpen, you know, get better, and then you know, keep some of that going into the rotation. I, I think of Danny Duffy and Carlos Carrasco. So it was tempting to look at Mike Montgomery and say, well, maybe he can be a good starter, um, that he was in the rotation. But, you know, the Mariners have other options uh, to start. And Montgomery's sort of shown that he's not that good. And I, he never had the upside of Carrasco and Duffy going, you know, into the bullpen work. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like a soft-tossing lefty that, you know – became a hard tosser. It wasn't because Carrasco always threw hard, you know, Danny Duffy always threw hard. So yeah, Montgomery's shown flashes, but you know, th- this, honestly, I like this for Seattle a little bit. I, I, I know that, you know, they got the Lee, but he's 34. Adam Lind, as you mentioned, not doing that well this year. This, this could end up being really nice yeah, for, for them. The, the projections love Vogelbach actually. I mean, they, they can't see that uh, he has a body fit for the couch, but <laughs> Uh, the, uh, he, they want him to right now hit 
with a 336 LBP, 402 slugging, you know, that's better than what Lind would do. Uh, it's uh, basically league average production right off the bat. And, of course, when you're talking about a 23-year-old, there's it's more about upside beyond, especially since this is the best power year since A-ball. Uh, oh, yeah, a 230 that, ISO this year. The so. power jump up, it, it, it has been nice because that was kind of the one thing was like, well, is he going to have the power to carry first base slash DH um, when he does eventually get traded? I think everyone just constantly assumed that he was going to be traded. And again, it's not even 100% the defense thing. It's the Anthony Rizzo thing even more because even if you want to fake him over at first base. Rizzo's like the most underpaid superstar out there. So. It, it, it's unreal. Two, two bombs for him today, by the way. Great breaking news. I love breaking. You know what? The next few pods could involve breaking news because we are in trade season, folks. We're going to be getting trades hopefully left and right here. I hope we get an active trade season. What was that, two years ago? That was the, the most awesome trade season ever, especially the day of when we had like the, um, the David Price deal, the John Lester deal. Um, can't can't recall the other ones. Those obviously were the two huge ones. There were just trades all day on that one. Have, I mean, one of the things you need, yeah, that was a, that was a good one. The one thing that you need for this sort of thing is obvious sellers, and I think we have that. Point, we have that this year for whatever reason. We seem to have fewer than last year, but you know, we got the Twins are twenty out, the Rays are eighteen out, the Braves are twenty three out, the, the a, Reds the, are twenty out, the A's, the Brewers. The Brewers are 20 out. The Diamondbacks and Padres are 20 out. So, you know, the athletics out of the uh, out of the wild card race are only probably what's yeah, that? they're they're closest because they're only seven actually, games or something. Yeah, but, but it's still 50, bad. 50 teams like that. Yeah, ten, ten game. They're 10 and a half out of the wild card right now, but literally three, six, and, seven teams. You know, Billy Bean's working a trade up right now. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. He wants, he no wants way to get that, going. He doesn't like his odds, and I, I I wouldn't be you know maybe he keeps Ryan Madsen because he's signed for three years you know and I do think that the Athletics want to be good within the next three years so I'm not I'm not 100 percent on Ryan Madsen but anybody else I is think not that their infield is where they're really going to make trades though. Um, they're... Josh I mean, he wants to trade Danny Valencia because the contract is up but you know there's like there's a rumor out that nobody that there's no rumors out. For Danny Valencia, yeah, you know? there's, there's like, a no... rumor that nobody wants him and. Uh, yeah. That's a weird rumor that I saw. Yeah, I mean, he got DFA'd last year when he was having an amazing season, and and then this year nobody wants him. What's up with this guy? Is he a clown? I mean, people talk about him being bad, but you know he hangs out. I've seen him hang out with Josh Reddick. Uh, I, I've seen him talking uh, spin rates with Jed Lowry and Billy Butler. I mean, I think this stuff is overrated, man. People people talk too much about what happens in the clubhouse. These are professionals that. You know, nobody likes Billy Butler, but who cares? They all nobody hates him. You know what I mean? Like, does it really matter? Nobody likes him, though. Yeah, I don't think many people like Billy Butler. Well, that's interesting. Um, well, if if Valencia isn't moved, I think everyone. I'm sorry, Billy. What's that? <laughs> I'm sorry, Billy. Sorry, Billy. <laughs> sorry. I think uh, everyone but Semyon um, on the infield is up for trade, including Vote. And we know that uh, the Indians are talking to the to the Brewers right now for Lucroy, but Vote could maybe become an option. I know Texas has been That's looking. That's interesting. I'm I'm pulling up Cot's contracts because we got. I I don't want to talk out of my ass on this one. Yeah. I thought Vote had a little more control. What do you What do you? Well, I, I just think since he's 31 and he's, he's he does have more control. They they got him through 19, but I feel like you yeah. could still sell pretty high on him. He's he's having another good. Well, game. you know he does. But I think that isn't it doesn't it seem true? And I'm, this is talking about a mask, but doesn't it seem that he doesn't they trade arms way before bats? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, I, I, I do I do think that honestly I would put vote lowest on the list. I was actually just going to go catcher and around the horn. That's interesting. You know he might value vote more than other teams though because I'm I'm not sure he how much he values like framing and uh, that sort of stuff. So uh, you know vote's a pretty good offensive catcher, and um, so I, I you know. Jed Lowry, he's traded already twice. That's what I'm saying. So Lowry, Alonzo, yeah. Valencia. Reddick is a free agent. Davis Ed. isn't going anywhere. We know that. Yeah. Valencia. Uh, Arzabsinski for, you know, somebody needs a loogie. Oh, that that is as good as happened, right? Like, yeah, right. yeah, that's already that, happened. We you know, we, we said Madsen might get moved because he, he's 35 and he's a closer. But, but I understand why you suggested that maybe not a guarantee. I think Zepchinski is is all but guaranteed to go find the team that needs a lefty and and has a a C plus C minus prospect that they're willing to give, and that deal is locked and loaded. Yeah, I mean Madsen, 
you got your closer for six, seven million. You might, you might hang on to him, even if he's not your closer next year. You know, he's a guy who throws ninety-five with a wicked change, and yeah, he could. I mean, he can be a piece, but he is thirty-five, um, and Ryan Dahl has has been really good. They're always ready to turn over the bullpen, though. So to, yeah, to that so end, I, I think you're right. I think Hill, you know, Rich Hill's obviously been talked about a lot, but that blister keeps popping up. If he can't get on the field, it's really hard to showcase him to trade. Last one on Oakland. What do you think about Sonny Gray? Is he going to get dealt? I just they got three years arbitration control. And he probably just dinged his his award this year. Yeah, you don't you don't want to sell low, do you? No, I don't think so. I think he holds on to him. Now. Now, the one thing that would change that is I do think a team could come in high and, and just say, no, we, we get it. We get that he's not a 5'12 ERA kind of guy. And even when you look at the numbers since the, uh, since the return from the injury, um, he had a five-earned run outing against Texas, and it was really one bad inning where maybe he should have uh, been pulled in the midst of it. And then a seven-earned run outing against Pittsburgh, which, again, got wobbly at the end, but he looked good early. So if you add it all up, though, since since Sonny Gray's I, return, he's got a 407 ERA in 48 innings. Hell of a lot better than the 619 he had in the first nine starts. And you're right to talk about to bring it up because I'm sure Billy Butler will talk about anybody. Billy Bean. And Billy Bean will talk. Billy Butler will talk about anyway. Uh, Maybe Billy that's Bean why nobody likes him because he talks yeah, all the shit. Figured it out. <laughs> Billy Bean, uh, on the other hand, will talk about anybody. And if Julio Tehran is the only other option, exactly, like cost-controlled young starter, all that Billy Bean has to do is say, hey, before you make a trade with the Braves, call me, and I'll probably give it to you for one less guy. Now, you know who can put a wrinkle in that, though, are the Rays. Apparently, That's they've it. got everybody on the block, including Chris Ar- Their entire rotation will actually pull, pull Snell Archer- out. And I bet you Archer probably is, is off the block just because he's under such a great contract. And... He, he would be very expensive. But more Odorizzi and even yeah. Smiley have been already in rumors. And, and Archer's been kind of on that fringe rumors. I, I don't know if it was only, but I've seen some of the some of the name guys out there who uh, the Heymans of the world, the, the Onlys of the world, suggest that he could be had. But again, that's going to be a skyrocketed price. More Odorizzi, Smiley, much more affordable. So they could put a wrinkle into that. Earlier in trade season, it was literally just Rich Hill, Sonny Gray potentially, and Julio Tehran. Like, where were you going to get your starters? Because that's when Tampa Bay was still kind of lingering. They've fallen on hard times. They've been a nightmare offensively. Can't really get anything going. Actually, the pitching hasn't been that good either, the guys that they, they are considering trading. Interestingly enough, it's been home runs that has eaten that team alive as well. Archer, Moore, Odorizzi, Smiley all have a one-and-a-half homer per nine or higher with Smiley's up at 1.8. So it's been really tough. We'll see how the trade market goes. Maybe on Friday we'll, we'll dive in even a little bit more and try to sort it out as we'll be about a week, just over a week away from the actual deadline. Uh, maybe either Friday or next Wednesday. One of, the, one of those two days maybe we'll dive into it a little bit more. But I want to talk about your, your pitcher rankings. And uh, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball on you because I didn't put this one on the, um, on the sheet. So I want to start with this guy. Aaron Sanchez threw another absolute gem yesterday and i can guarantee almost i can almost guarantee that you've only got him 40th on your list because you're worried about that innings limit that's looming overhead this is a guaranteed thing right there's no way they can stretch him and get him to the finish line uh, in toronto right because he just did not have nearly enough innings last year he's been so amazing i stand the temptation but it, it would it would crush him if they if they try to get 180 out of him this year right aaron sanchez for toronto yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was a little bit of a strikeout thing because he's a ground ball guy, um, and there's you know strikeout yeah, rates surge, so there's a little bit of that. But you're right, uh, <clears throat> it's definitely about those innings, and I know that right now everyone's yelling about it, but they, they have Aaron Sanchez under control for... I almost had it so I got ready. You. I got you, uh, uh, through 2020. 2020, man. I mean, I think you, I think you think about those. You think about those things when you think about those innings. And I know that, you know, the Verducci effect isn't real, but it, but it doesn't mean that you want to tax a guy. And because, you know, if you do the 30% piece um, and just say add 30% to his previous season, he's going to Aaron Sanchez is going to eclipse that next start. So then, yeah. you know, okay, we don't know the number. I understand that. Do you want to double it? But, do yeah, you... I don't think you want to do that because then 
here's the thing too. This would almost, it would be good, but bad. Like say they do say, fine, we'll take the reins off a bit. We will try to get him to the finish line. And then they make the playoffs. Well, they can't take him out for the playoffs. You know, that, that might have to shut him down totally. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, this is a cover your ass league. You know, that's, I was talking to Adam Ottavino about why don't the Rockies do this or why don't the Rockies do this? And he's like, if the Rockies do that and it doesn't work, everybody gets fired. You're talking about like um, different th- different methodologies to try to try to yeah. figure out the pitching. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if you take the reins off and you make it, someone gets and he gets hurt next year, someone gets fired. That's the thing. Any tweak, any potential injury, even those who are saying <laughs> let him go now would turn instantly and say, I can't believe you let him go. That's why I hate people, by the way. It, you could find, <laughs> you'd find the same people, whether it's writers, fans analysts, whatever, that said, nah, you got to let him go because he's been so good that a year down the road, they'd be like, I can't believe they did that, man. Now he's hurt. They ruined him. Um, and so that's, you know, that's that's concerning uh, in terms of hanging on to uh, Aaron Sanchez in a redraft league. He's been one of your best pitchers this year. He's having a fantastic season, 287 ERA, 117 whip, had another great outing yesterday in Arizona. Uh, you mentioned the K's. They're down 7.8 because it's not part of it. That's not a huge part of his game. But it's really hard to complain about what you got. If you got, if I'm, if I'm forcing you, if I'm putting your feet to the fire on a number, how many more innings do you think he has? I'll give him. Uh, yeah, that's all I guess. I don't know. Absolutely. I'm, let's see. Let's let's look back. Let's look back. Uh, in 2013, he had 110. Last year it was uh, it was 99, or or something yeah. about that. 99. So let's give him 100. So let's say let's let's say they look back at his like previous career high and say, um, you know, well that's actually 99. No, it's 100. Oh, and then that one's 20, 100. Oh 2014 was no. 133 though. If you add there up his uh, right. mic. Let's say they use that as a max and do 20% off of that. Okay. So. That would be or, or thirty percent even because they're already kind of past twenty percent. So that would be uh, one seventy three. So fifty more. Right. That's you know, it's actually not that far from a regular projection. A regular projection for somebody pitching the whole year right now Absolutely. is only like another sixty five seventy. That would not be too bad because I kept I kept looking at last year, which was about ninety nine innings. Uh, and so if they do use his, his previous high of that 2014 season where he had 100 in the minors and then 33 in the majors, that could that could do it. Now, what if they what if they say, OK, yeah, we are going to go with the 50 to 60 innings, but we're going to throw him in the bullpen for a little bit to try to save some of that juice for the playoffs. If they, yeah, I think that happens. I think that happens if. So right now. Well, that's really weird. <laughs> They've gotten more losses than the Red Sox and more wins. Um, yeah, that's, it, they played. They played a couple more games. Uh, so anyway, they are uh, the wild card. They are the second wild card by two and a half over Houston and four over Detroit. So I think they're watching Houston and Detroit, and they're just saying, uh, you know, you know, I think it'll be it'll be just like that. They'll just be watching that, and then they'll say, okay, we can afford to skip the Sanchez start. Um, and that they won't throw him in the bullpen like you're in the bullpen now. They'll say we're skipping you, but you might throw on your throw day. Or exactly. You might, throw, might throw one inning or two or, innings or two or three innings here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember uh, was it maybe two years ago? Carlos Martinez when they skipped a, a round for him, they let him do a, a, a two or three inning relief stint here to keep him, you know, keep him going, keep him in game right. action. That's a way to kind of conserve but still get something out of him, particularly and- in a high leverage situation. You watch the schedule, and if you still got two or three games on your competitor, you can say, oh, "Okay, look at this. Like we can use the off day, like treat him like our fifth starter, basically, and use an off day to skip him here mm-hmm. and pitch him one one a day before, a day after, right in there, and then that gets us, you know, that gets us five innings back. You know, if we do that two or three times, we can get him all the way to the end. What do you think? There's a move to be made for the Jays right now. I mean, the the biggest bummer is that. Marco Estrada's on the DL. If they can get him back, that would be huge. I know Stroman has just been a nightmare. Dickey's doing his thing. He's that solid guy that they can guarantee is going to give him a quality, not necessarily a baseline, uh, an actual statistical quality start at six and three, but like six and four with that offense 
could almost be considered a quality start. And Hap's been pitching well. So they're getting good pitching around him except for Stroman. They just need Estrada to come back. Do you think there's any trades for them to make for a big arm, or would they do more of a, a fourth, fifth starter type if they're going to make a move? So it looks like uh, our projections say they've been lucky with the pitching so far. I would I would yeah. agree with that, but that's that's because the projections probably don't like don't believe in Marco Estrada, and at some point I think we need to adjust on that. Yeah, um, but if you look at their starting pitching, Marco Estrada is only like a, a hip or a back. Hmm. But he said there, he's expected to be back uh, in two days. Soon, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, two days. So um, you know, if you got Stroman, Estrada, Hap, Dicky, Sanchez. Then all that Hutchison's going to get are maybe they, you know, Phantom DL Sanchez and call Hutchison up to to do a start for him. Uh, I mean, you can you can any time of the day you can you can um, you can say the guy has shoulder fatigue, you know. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So, I, that might, that might have been the case with someone like Jamison Tyon when they did it around the break. Yeah, to, right. To Is give him that tired? extra time. Hey, hey, Jameson, you tired? Yeah, I'm tired. Okay. Hey, are you tired? Uh, yeah, it's it's it, the season has already started, so that means everybody in the game <laughs> is tired. So you could you could technically say that about literally anybody. All General right. Teague. So that's interesting. I don't know that you can necessarily trade Aaron Sanchez right now without having to give that severe discount. This is not sneaking up on anybody. I don't think anybody's going to be uh, fooled into into paying that some substantial price for Sanchez. Just hold him as long as you can. Yep, and, I say write it out. With Shapiro, just to finish the question about the team, with Shapiro in charge, I don't think they're trading a young guy. So I think uh, the biggest thing you'll see out of them is uh, sort of waiver, waiver wire-esque uh, relief stuff. You know? Okay, okay. Try to Because the, the, the back end of their bullpen is not very good. No, it's not. Uh, they, they, can they, still, they, can... they can still upgrade on Schultz or Biagini or Tapera or those guys in the back of the bullpen. Yeah, they could really improve that bridge to Osuna. I mean, Storen's been a nightmare. He was supposed to be the the, the setup man. That would have been a nice one-two punch there. But it's, it's a wobbly bridge from starter to Osuna. All right, let's talk some more about these ranks here. The one that really jumped out to me right away was your number 10 guy. And it's not because I have any quibbles with it. I just want to talk about it. I want to talk about Jose Quintana making it into your top 10 for the rest of the season. He's been he's been really good this year. And, and the thing of it is, he's been really good since he started pitching in the majors. And, you know, don't it doesn't get a whole lot of run because it hasn't really been standout, especially when you, in fantasy you do have to consider the wins. And the fact of it is, his last three years, he's gotten nine wins on the button. And, and that holds back his fantasy value. When you're looking at dollar values uh, earned for the year, no matter what kind of calculation you're using in a standard 5x5, five five, the 9Ws are going to hold Quintana back. And the whip has always been kind of okay, not great, while the ERA has been solid and the Ks have been solid. Well, this year, everything's kind of taken a jump. Ks are up. Uh, to a career high 8.2, ERA down to a career best 313, whip career best 113, and he's already got eight Ws, and we still have two two plus months left in the season. Now, uh, in in perfect Jose Quintana fashion, he gets out. I think he was like six and one to start the season, and we're like, he's gonna have nine wins before the All Star break. And of course, he then lost like five in a row, and now he's eight and eight. Um, but you got him at ten for the rest of the season. What do you think of Jose Quintana? I, I have him at 10, and, you know, some people thought it was too high, and, and talk, I talk about extreme luck. I don't I don't know what they're talking about. 287 BABIP is not at all extreme, considering that he has a, a really nice uh, infield fly ball rate right now. Um, and uh, if you just look at strikeouts minus walks plus, plus strikeouts plus pop-ups minus walks, he's got a really good number. Um, he's, uh, he's at 20, 21%. That's, a, you know, like a top 15 total. And then he's got really good command and a history of having really good ERA. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't see much luck here. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, I, uh, you know, like a little bit of strand rate, but, you know, you get some pop-ups at the right moments. It's, I don't know. He's a really good pitcher. That's the thing. You talk about strand rate. Yeah, it's up at a career high 79% as well. But he has two different seasons of 76 his rookie season yeah. was 75. Quintana's only had one kind of bad season, 69% in 2014, and that was probably some bad luck working against him. So I, I agree with you. I, I, I like where you have him. I don't know if I have him all the way up at, at 10, but I, I it didn't jump out to me and say that's wrong. I was just intrigued by it because uh, I've always liked Jose Quintana, and he's having a really good season. 
Uh, One thing that was really interesting to me was um, the uh, sort of soft underbellies, the the weird spots where things happened. Um, You know, if you look at the guys behind Quintana, there there are a lot of stars, but they all have there's a lot of question marks there. Cause Carrasco has not. Uh, been exactly the same. You know, he does not have the same strikeout rate. He does not have the same velocity. You Darvish, the you know what we what did we say? Command the command. You know the strikeouts of the command has not been, and then you know the health piece hasn't either. And and they've been, you know, he's not been going deep into these games. The the he's looked good for the most part. The the raw stuff for you Darvish since his return has been good. But of course he had a DL stint right off right off the bat after the first three starts, and I don't think he's gone more than five in any of his outings yet. Yeah, so uh, David Price has the, the, the capability to put up a lot more wins, but, you know, the balls in play have just been atrocious. And I, I, I have, you know, I have David Price 11, so if, we're, if you're going to be mad at me that I have Quintana above Price, uh, you know, okay, fine. Yeah, it's negligible yeah. there at, at, but, at 10 and 11. Like, uh, I don't see a guy... I don't see a guy that you're like, oh, these five guys should be ahead of Quintana. I mean, I mean like, Arietta. Not quite the same as he was, you know. And you know, is Arietta uh, a lock to have like a three-one ERA going forward? I don't know. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I think Arietta is probably the one that you could you could argue for the most. But Cueto's one that I would probably argue for a little bit as well. Um, I really believe well, those guys are both they're both excellent pitchers. Yeah. And, uh, but again, I argue too much. it's ten and thirteen, and and when you're in a certain range, there maybe it's it's not as big of a deal. In terms of just you know, I don't, one rank and also there. that's that's a fair point. Also, I my blind spot is wins, so um, you're, well, you're oh, I forgot I forgot that Cueto is like unbeaten. What is he? 13 he's thirteen and two. And two. Yeah, he's, he's been a monster. Certainly, if losses are a category, then um, then that's all. Yeah, if, if you get if you get ding there, but we've we've always been on the you know don't get hung up on wins, don't chase them because they're they're too difficult to predict, and so while they do matter. Area to even have twelve and four, huh? Is that that's what area is? Difference is that that's that's four wins difference from Quintana. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Uh, you heard it here. I was wrong. <gasps> uh, I can be I can be uh, convinced. Arietta should be ten and Quintana eleven. Okay, well there and, there, there we go. We're ma- we're making moves on hear, the fly. I can hear Cueto. Uh, so that would be Quintana at thirteen and uh, Cueto uh, up at uh, eleven. So. But I'm not putting Price ahead of him. I don't think I I'm don't putting Carlos Carrasco ahead of him. Granky, Mats, Lester, you know. So we're we're talking about you know moving Quintana down two spots and moving two guys above him. It's, I don't feel like I owe everybody an apology. No, I don't think you do either. Either. Um, another one that's jumped out. It's a guy we have talked about repeatedly. But I want another update here on Jared Eikhoff because this is a guy you've been going to the well for pretty much all year. Um, you, you, you've, you've stayed strong with him. Go back to the initial ranks. You had him at 78 when the Rotographs team had him at 97. So that was a big split. You bumped him up a little bit more on your next update to 69, which was pretty nice. And then again on 6-1, up to 46. Now he's up to 31. So he's, he's steadily moved up your ranks there. Uh, Jared Eikhoff continues to have a solid season. You know, I don't think it's standout. But it's been really, again, solid. I think that's kind of the perfect word to describe the 115 innings that Eikhoff's put together. Do you think he puts together something more than what we've seen so far than the 376 ERA, 124 whip down the stretch? Or is it just more of the same, which, again, is, is, is quality work? Yeah, I do think there's more, there's more coming. Because if you look at his, um, his pitch type selection, uh, he really pitched with one hand behind his back for the first, first I don't know how long, let me see here, the first uh, few starts of the year. He didn't use a slider at all. And last year's slider really uh, graded out as a, as a great pitch for him. Mm-hmm. So it took until, uh, you know, last year he was using the slider like 20% of the time. This year it took until his third, sixth start to do it once. Why was that, by the way? I don't know, and he wasn't doing it regularly until basically his tenth start. So if you look at June going forward, that's when he uh, started using the slider about a quarter of the time. Um, and uh, June going forward on his splits says, actually, I do. Let me do his game log. This would be a fun thing to do. Uh, let's see how, let's see how much of an idiot I am. <laughs> I don't think you're an idiot. Uh, now the Here one, we go. The one thing, by the way, you mentioned three forty-two ERA. Uh, seven seven uh, strikeouts per nine, two point nine walks per nine. Uh, 
that I think is his true talent because that's him using his slider and his curve. His slider is very good. Also, he in that June onwards uh, sample, he became a top ten guy at suppressing exit velocity. Ooh, that's that's so, pretty nice for Eikhoff right there. And um, that was something I added this year to to my ranking is that I started with strikeouts plus pop ups minus walks because I think that's that's not having any balls in play component. That's just looking at what they can control and you know doesn't have any other input other than perhaps the framing and the you know the umpire or whatever. But that's that's the closest we can do to be like just the pitcher. But I wanted to also look at you know, how they are at suppressing exit velocity because you'll see guys like Pineda and them are are actually giving up hard contact. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's, I think, uh, and it's basically almost a command, like a thing for command. So I think that just, and also, uh, you know, if you use a lot of breaking ball sliders and curves, Colin McHugh was really good at suppressing exit velocity. I think that's because it's really hard to hit a curveball really hard. Especially that his curveball was has been known to be filthy. That was kind of what... Uh, led Houston to to signing Colin McHugh and 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 trying to make him a piece uh, an instrumental piece in their rotation. So, I, and if you take Eikhoff's eight eight earned runs out in Colorado, which I think you can do. This is we played this game before. Like, yeah. where would you start him? Where wouldn't you? Like, maybe you didn't start him in Toronto and you lose. Uh, you know, a zero earned run, five strikeout game. Um, and, but then for that, you also lose, uh, Colorado's eight earned runs mm-hmm. and then everything else is two earned runs, one earned run, you know, the worst was a three earned runs to Arizona and still had six strikeouts. So, you know, I, I think he's a guy who's going to go out there and surprise everybody just by, not by being an ace, but by being like a, a number three. If you take out both those starts, right, be fair, take out the six shutout in Toronto, but also take out the eight. In five and a third in Colorado, he's a 2.66 ERA in seven starts uh, since the start of June, which is when you said that Jared Eikhoff started using that slider more. So that's that's still really impressive, uh, even if you're kind of picking and choosing here. We are cherry picking, but we're not just doing it for the favorable side. So, uh, yeah. all right, a couple more here to talk about. This one was another user request uh, on Twitter or listener request, I should say, about Mike Fultonevich. Uh, they want us to talk about him, and you got him in at top 75, which stood out to me because you know he's a guy that has always had the the electric stuff he's at 74 by the way um he's had electric stuff but he's never really been able to do anything with it in in limited samples so it's like well what's this guy gonna do he's kind of quietly put together 10 starts 56 innings of a 370 era and a 118 whip uh which is pretty nice he's gotten his ground ball rate up now home runs are still there he's at 18 which is which is pretty devastating uh that's exactly where he was last year but there are probably a lot of I, I would imagine a lot of solo shots, which is why he still has a 3.70 ERA in that time. And his strikeouts and walks have both improved. So where are you on Fulton Evich the rest of the way? I, uh, you know, Jeff Sullivan wrote a great, great piece about him and uh, about how he's getting ahead more, and he's actually, you know, like near the top of the league and getting ahead. And that made me, you know, take another look at at Fulton Hamish, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I think um, his changeup is really bad, and uh, that's. Huh? I said he got owned. <laughs> Go hang out with Billy. <laughs> uh, but uh, but there is uh, hope in the fact that he's starting to uh, use his curve more than his changeup. Mm-hmm. And if you just look at his history, uh, the, the the curve is actually better than the changeup with respect to you know line drives allowed, uh, home runs allowed. So you know even though change got slightly more whiffs, I think that the curve is a better pitch. And I think he can be you know four seam sinker slider curve guy. The there's there's you know distinct four different movements there. And if he gets ahead, you know. You could you're you're talking about having to protect against a 97 mile an hour fastball. Exactly, he's averaging and, uh, 95 and a half right now, and he can run yeah. it up triple digits sometimes even. And then and then a 77 uh, 77 mile an hour curveball. So that's a real big range if he can, and especially you know if he can start improving the uh, strike rate on his curveball, which is better than his changeup. So there's another reason to use the curve more is that. 
you can throw the curveball in the zone, and people who are protecting for 97 will say, ah, I'm not going to swing at that. Oh, called strike, you know? Owned. So, so there's a chance there. There's a real chance there. I thought no chance. but Same. Curve, curve slider, uh, got the walk rate down just by filling up the zone. Yeah, his home runs are high, but look at that. 370 ERA, 118 whip with the with giving up a one and a, and three quarters home runs per per, per game is over nine innings. Who's, whose homers aren't high this year? Jeez. Yeah, I know. So just, so insane some of these numbers. I just I can't get over it. All right, you know, we gotta wrap up here with one last thing. Yep. But like for example, oh. Daniel Mangden pitching today. Mangden, uh I wrote about him. He has a lot of deception. But, you know, out of the stretch, he loses a mile and a half. And uh, that was stuff we've been talking about with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were, like, looking at the two of them, which I think they are both kind of interesting guys that have been a little bit better recently, and you're, you're talking about dynasty and rebuilding and maybe you only have a slot for one, then you take Fulte, I think, because easier league, more just power stuff, not as much question marks about it's just, you know, how much is he relying on deception and what happens when he, he can't has, do that delivery. Yeah, he has the pedigree, right? Like. He yeah. came up, and he was supposed to be uh, a, a quality player. At, at worst, it seemed like Fultonevich was going to be a, a dope closer, and he might still end up in that path, but right now he's shown some stuff as a starter, 10 starts with Atlanta, doing pretty well. You got him top 75. That starts getting him into some mixed leagues, so go check your waiver wire. He's probably still out there in a heck of a lot of leagues. Right. Yeah, real, real nice, uh, I think, streamer type, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you get him in the right spot. You know, in Miami, then you 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 lessen your chance of those home runs hurting you. Last bit here. Uh, you got three injury guys that, that are currently on the DL for various ailments. Uh, one's Tommy John guy. Uh, another's a shoulder. Uh, other is a maybe Tommy John guy. It's Tyson Ross, Zach Wheeler, Garrett Richards. They're 90, 91, and 94, respectively. Obviously, Ross is the highest, but again, we're talking th- those are negligible rankings. You could jumble those up, and it really wouldn't matter. Who are you investing in for the rest of the season if you're if you're trying to if you're looking for a lottery ticket to try to strike it rich the rest of the way these last two months? Which one would you most want? Between between Tyson Ross, Zach Wheeler, and Garrett Richards, is it just the order that you put them in, or do you do you favor one over the other in terms of this specific I I, situation? I think I favor um, I, I favor uh, Zach Wheeler. I guess okay. I mean. The, I think the reason I put them all there was because, you know, in that grouping is not only injured guys uh, coming back, but also a lot of prospects. So in that sort of 90 to 100, you've got guys like Jose Barrios, Lu- Lucas Giolito, you know, um, then like really high variance guys like Zach, Zach Davies, mm-hmm. you know, Rio just went back on the DL. Sean Manea is big high. These are, you know, Manea and Davies are almost like prospects. We just, it's really hard to know what they're going to do going forward. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then, you know, there's Richards supposedly, you know, the, the plate, plate rich, whatever, blah, 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 that he had. Plate uh, rich for, plasma. Yeah, you know, uh, I, that worked, and he, you know, might come back this year. I have him last just because that seems crazy, and I, I doubt it will happen. I, I agree uh, there. I agree. Ross is supposed to be late August. Wheeler had bad command. Uh, Ross didn't have a surgery, so I guess that gives that gives him a a, a step up. Um, you know, he supposedly threw. So even though I said Wheeler first, I might take Ross. I don't know. You know, pick, pick, take your pick there. Okay. You know, the Mets obviously need Wheeler, but he had a little setback, and um, you know, then Ross had his own setback, but it was with the ankle. You know, you're just you're kind of like you know throwing darts at this point. Yeah, you really are, especially down at that part of the ranking and adding in injury. I just want to know if you felt strongly about one over the but other. I do, I do take. I do. The reason I move those guys up is that I find that a very interesting uh sort of upside rich area where um you know if your ventura figures it out if tyler anderson keeps it going if sean Manea's you know new change up and and if he finds a new breaking ball and it clicks all those guys have like an if scenario mm-hmm. where they could jump into the 70s and be mixed league vi- viable uh so there are like interesting bench stashes and stuff you know um and i would take them over guys that i have later like kendall graveman um, and Kyle Gibson, who are, you know, going to pitch, but they, the upside, you know, the upside meter just doesn't have the same, uh, you know, tone to it. It's just not, you know, Dan Straley, you know, 
He's going to probably pitch the rest of the year, but, but you know, but what what are we really going to get? Floor might be a little bit higher. So you know, if you're in a you know if you're in an AL or NL only, there are cases to be made for taking like a Kendall Graveman over a Jose Barrios, who may may or may not pitch, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or Eduardo Rodriguez, who may or may not be you know even American League only worthy. But. Yeah. Do you, do you need innings like guaranteed innings, or do you need something that could strike it rich? But if 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 it doesn't even happen at all, you kind of move on. So th- those are the kind of things that you have to balance. You know, we got to get going. I'm headed out to the uh, to the Drake and Future concert tonight, and yeah, so yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. It's a little John. What? Little John's not going to be there. I wish. I wish it was a little John concert. Pretty awesome. It would be, he up? Maybe he shows up. Maybe he does. <laughs> what? 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 Okay. Shut up. Go ahead. Uh, Lil John, how'd you even get here? Drake <laughs> let me in. No, he didn't. Nobody let you in. Get out of here. Uh, all right, Eno, we will be back on Friday talking more baseball. As always, hit us up on Twitter at Eno Saris, at Spore. If you have individual players you want us to talk about, definitely include those. We try to get to them for sure. Had a couple of them on today's show. Eno, peace out. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening.